the president certainly put them on the defense, right? He put the Republicans on the defense when it came to Social Security and Medicare. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. This is something that they've been saying for months, that they want to sunset it. They put a plan, Rick Scott put a plan saying every five years we want to sunset Medicare and Social Security. They voted to increase the age of Social Security. They've been pretty consistent. I was distracted by Marjorie Taylor Greene's jacket. Oh my God. It looked like, she's, it looked like she skinned my puppy. I think I was just the loudest one because I stood up and screamed liar. Well, it was Joe Biden's State of the Union last night, technically, but somehow it was Dr. Jill and Kamala's spouse, the second gentleman, making out that stole the show. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this pussy-ass bitch episode <laughs> of the Facts and Friends podcast. That's fair. That's, that's, that's fair. My name is Tino, and speaking of pussy-ass bitches, joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you know him as one of Pan Am's most celebrated fashion minds and designer of Kirsten Cinema's understated 2023 State of the Union dress. Oh, man. But I know him. <laughs> It's Judson. Hello, Judson. Hi, Tino. That's one of the worst ones we've done in a while, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I accused you of being an imposter, like a right-wing plant. Isn't that worse? Not really. Her dress was really bad. She looked like a Dilophosaurus. She had, like, frills coming out <laughs> to show off that she's venomous. We have quite a show for you this Valentine's Day week. We will follow up on everybody's favorite spy balloon, talk about Mike Pence's <laughs> new problems, spend some time at the WWE Presents the State of the Union, then drop in on the Dunning-Kruger-McCarthy House as it pathetically airs its petty grievances rather than working to address the needs of the country and its people. Okay. It's a jam-packed show, Judson. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. Finally, at the end of the show, we'll venture into the multiverse to find the worst version of Spider-Man imaginable. Oh my. That's right. It's not the pig one? Well, he might be a pig. <laughs> oh, but Judson, how about that big game? Which, which big game? I literally can't say, or we'll get a copyright strike on YouTube. Oh, that game. Yeah. I mean, we record this on Saturday, so we don't know. I didn't tell you about this new AI that I paid for for the show. Uh, so I can just say congratulations to the American football world champions of the United States, the Kansas City Chiefs. And wow, that play when Patrick Mahomes threw a pass to a wide open Tucker Carlson. No, sorry, that's the wrong one. Travis Kelsey. Damn, what a play that was. Unlike the centuries-long struggles of black people in this country, that play is going to go down in history books, Judson. <laughs> And they'll be able to talk about it in Florida. <laughs> exactly. One other quick thing about the game. Did you know that this was the first time in NFL history that the Bowl featured two openly Christian quarterbacks, Judson? That doesn't seem likely. <laughs> Just uh, knowing what I know about America right. and sport, you know. No, it's pretty much every Super Bowl ever. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's a completely a lie didn't stop Graham Allen, host of the Dear America podcast, from tweeting that it was true. I'm unfamiliar with Dear America, 
the, the podcast. I am as well. Just from the name and from this claim, I feel like I'm not going to like it. I doubt you'd be a fan. Okay. I doubt you'd download. You definitely wouldn't listen. And I wouldn't recommend it to my friends or subscribe or uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. What makes it worse, though, is you know what is true? <laughs> What's that? Two things. One, it's Black History Month. I know that from how few days are on the calendar. <laughs> Right, the shortest month, of course. Yeah. It's also the first time ever two black quarterbacks started in the since I can't say it. And I didn't have to make that one up. Exactly. There's like a, an actual true statistic or fact. A meaningful one. A multiple layers is meaningful. Absolutely. Because of, like you said, February. But Graham didn't do that. He didn't. But our listeners want to hear us talk about sports about as much as you want to get a lap dance from Chuck Grassley slathered in lard. So, <laughs> so let's move on to a quick roundup of some news before we move on to the State of the Union. It seems like... It was just last week the world was obsessed with an oversized, white, brainless gas bag, Judson. No, not... It says, insert just about any fat white Republican here. <laughs> uh, so we can go with Ron DeSantis, Sean Hannity, Ted Cruz. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. <laughs> a wide open. Chris Christie. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. No, 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 that's a football player. What? Pick one, Judson. Pick your poison. I, Sean Hannity. That's my poison. It seems like it was just last week that the world was obsessed with an oversized white brainless gas bag, Judson. No, not Sean Hannity. I'm talking about the late <laughs> great Chinese spy balloon. There's been more um news. Can I can I call it news? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Well, there's been more coverage of the spy balloon since our last show. It turns out not only did Trump not do anything about the Chinese spy balloons that flew into our airspace under his watch, he didn't even know about them. I mean, I believe that. I do, too. That makes sense. I feel like it was the right choice to not inform him of that. If they were able to identify them at the time, I don't I don't know the, the details that you're talking about specifically. They weren't. Yeah. But even if they had, like, I wouldn't tell him. Would you trust him to make the right decision in that? No. That, that, of course not. Excellent point. <laughs> the right also continued to spew their phony outrage over the balloon, including that stunt Marjorie Taylor Greene pulled in her totally tasteful professional appearance at State of the with, Union. With her balloon that she carried around with the, her the balloon, Capitol? Yes. But my favorite ridiculous criticism of all was Steve Ducey. I don't know if I heard Ducey. What did he say? If NORAD can track Santa, they should be able to track something the size of three school buses. Ho, ho, holy shit. Steve Ducey is a moron. I'm sorry. They can track Santa? Yeah. <laughs> Does Steve Ducey still believe in Santa? <laughs> See, I would have thought of the two. Kilmeade was more likely to still believe in Santa. That's a fair point. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the fact that he used the idea that NORAD tracks Santa to be anything other than a complete fiction i don't i don't understand what's happening right now all right pop quiz who do you think is less intelligent steve ducey or his son peter oh peter yeah, i think you're right peter's asked some pretty dumb questions <laughs> it also turns out there was a second quote-unquote unidentified object at high altitude flying over northern canada this week well two of them right yeah was there one in alaska one in alaska and one over canada yeah and then potentially one over montana today but oh, i didn't hear about that one it's unclear if there was ever anything there they detected a radar anomaly and investigated and couldn't find anything which doesn't mean there wasn't anything there just that they don't see it now so it could be a glitch but yes there have been more objects shot down since the balloon two of them at least aliens if you can hear my voice <laughs> turn the ship around and go home we're, we're recording a little bit later than usual partly because my six-year-old daughter didn't want to go to sleep and partly because i was arguing with people who believe aliens are the source of these objects on twitter oh no i was joking i didn't realize that was actually a thing i know you were and they are not <laughs> 
<laughs> I got called a pretentious prick for saying something, and I was like, whoa, 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 prick, and that's fair. But like pretentious? No, you were looking for condescending. That's a totally different word, means a totally different thing, and that again, fair, but not pretentious. That's just absurd. In other news, Mike Pence had the second worst week of his life this past week, Judson. So the first is the getting hanged almost. Yeah, the one where his boss tried to have him killed. Okay, right, sure, that's the one. Same week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're not done finding classified documents at Casa de Pence. <laughs> That's right, yeah. They found one more? They found another one on Friday. Again, unlike Trump, Pence is cooperating and did consent to the FBI search of his home. He didn't call it a raid and lash out on <laughs> social didn't. media about it being... Nope. Yeah. But honestly, more mishandled classified documents barely registers next to the other thing that happened to Pence. Sources telling ABC News that former Vice President Mike Pence has now been subpoenaed by the special counsel overseeing two probes into former President Trump. That is not great for some people. No. The probes he's referring to are Trump stolen classified documents and more importantly and more and more relevant here I think right the former guy's attempt to overturn the results of a free and fair election you know that attempted coup thing the thing that almost got him hanged <laughs> Right. He seems like a pretty good witness for that. I would think so. Yeah. I guess the Justice Department tried to negotiate like voluntary testimony from Pence, but the talks didn't go anywhere. Hence the subpoena. Right. Makes sense. Now, a few minutes ago, I said this was bad news for Pence, but really, it's bad news for his old boss. They're not going after Pence. Right. He's definitely not the target. Yeah. Of course, Trump is already moving to invoke executive privilege, which I swear is something one can only invoke when they're actually the president. Help me out, Judson. Um, time travel. <laughs> I guess if he wins again, like if he wins in 2024, he could renew the executive privilege. But for now, yeah, he doesn't have that. And he's tried it before and failed. Yeah. Be honest. Do you think this investigation, this special prosecutor, Jack Smith, do you think any of this will have any real impact? <sighs> History says no. I just don't see rich or pretending to be rich white guys really face a lot of consequences. That's true. Maybe something comes to this, but I don't think he gets what he deserves at any point. All right, so far we've talked about spy balloons and Mike Pence, so let's just go for the trifecta of stories nobody cares about and dive into this year's State of the Union. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this year's address, it's definitely this. Well, it was Joe Biden's State of the Union last night, technically, but somehow it was Dr. Jill and Kamala's spouse, the second gentleman, making out that stole the show. What is going on between those two? A forensic examination next. For those of you that missed it, Jill Biden and Doug Emhoff, Kamala Harris's husband, they greeted one another with a quick kiss before the State of the Union. Now, the peck on the lips lasted like less than a second, but it turns out, and, and stick with me, Judson, because this gets a little complicated. <laughs> sure. It turns out if you freeze frame their greeting, <laughs> it looks like they're kissing for a very long time. Now, like, like through the magic of editing. Hold on. Yes. Keep Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay. This is high-level stuff. Now, I wasn't sure about this whole high-tech freeze-framing stuff, so I looked it up. And sure enough, according to the internet, if you pause any video, it makes it look like the moment at which you pause the video lasts a lot longer than it really does. This is just shocking information. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I am nothing if not thorough when it comes to bringing stories to our listeners. So I decided to do some of my own testing at home, okay? <laughs> I... I <laughs> what did you test? I checked out Thor Love and Thunder and the theory held at timestamp 58 minutes, 56 seconds when I paused it. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> stayed naked. Okay. I, I also, it's basically porn. I Thor also, Love and Thunder is basically porn. I also tested 90s Matt Damon movie School Ties and it worked again <laughs> when I froze the frame at one hour, 10 minutes and 21 seconds. <laughs> Call me by your name. 
20 minutes, 22 seconds. And I could have gone on. I mean, well, after the refractory period. <laughs> a quick aside on that. I actually had to go Look, into... I thought this was the aside. No, <laughs> I actually had to go into my video library and find the timestamps for the nude scenes in those movies. <laughs> I'll tell you, though. It was the best half hour of show prep I have ever done. <laughs> I might actually start making some version of that pause joke every week from now on. <laughs> Just pick a new movie from your... from Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> At least I didn't have them all memorized or like in an Excel spreadsheet yet. Oh, let me, let me check myself <laughs> a little reminder here. Just so we're clear, what Fox did, we can't really play the clip because it's very visual. Yes. But what they did was Tucker Carlson's show showed this slow motion with like bad porn music. And we're talking less than a frame a second. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like just drops to like a crawl and then extends this brief hello peck on the lips as they you were know, greeting each other at the, at the State of the Union. So suffice it to say, when you pause something or slow it way, way, way down, even though that lasts only a second in real time, it's been scientifically and pornographically proven. <laughs> And the moment can last as long as you want it to. It's the weirdest thing to like, it was like opening the show with that, right? Oh, yeah, he called it wife swapping. He had a yeah. like, graphic of it. It's the weirdest thing to fixate on that. And it's kind of telling on himself that he's showing this briefest peck on the lips as wild making out. <laughs> like conservative men, Ben Shapiro, now Tucker Carlson, really just can't help but outline how bad they are at the sex stuff. Right. At the romance. They were bad at it and they don't mind letting everybody know. I mean, it's brave in a way, I guess. And we wonder why a court of law declared Tucker's show not news. <laughs> or it's you're being replaced and there's nothing you can do about it. So shut up. <laughs> never mind. We never, ever wondered that. Not at any point ever in the history of the world. Biden's speech itself was pretty much what I expected. A, a prelude to the upcoming announcement of his re-election bid, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't think either one of us are huge fans of Joe Biden. Maybe you a little bit more than I am. But yeah, I would agree with that. You're not buying Biden t-shirts or flying a Biden flag. I bought a sign for, last, for, for the election to put in my yard because I had a Trump family across the street, so I had to have my own sign. But oh, it was a spite sign. I bought two just in case somebody stole it. But other than that, no, I don't have any uh, you know, Biden-Harris stuff. And Biden's gotten a few good things done, you know, despite Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, and the far-right hacks that make up the Supreme Court majority. I think overall he's like a decent person. But that doesn't make him a, a good person, first of all, which I, I don't know if I'm qualified, or a good president. Certainly better than the alternative, and that's the only way I get to vote, is to vote for the lesser of the, the problem. For people so. like you and me who follow politics every single day, uh, the State of the Union is pretty ho-hum. <laughs> yeah. But most of the news from the State of the Union these days centers around how badly Congress behaves, right? Yes. And leave it to our friends in the DKM house to make lots and lots of news. <laughs> They acted like petulant children, shouting down the president, calling him a liar, chanting about border security. Of course, none was more childish than Narnia's white witch herself, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I gotta stop you right there, because okay. that feels very unfair to the white witch. <laughs> I feel like she gets a bad rap, and that, that's... She's not a very nice lady. Not a nice lady! She's not a moron, either. But, like, putting Marjorie Taylor Greene on her? Yeah. That just seems like a little much, I'm just gonna say. Well, Marjorie looked rabid at times in her all-white, fur-lined outfit. She's heckled the president, <laughs> cupping her hands to her mouth. I think the first person that called her Cuella 
sort of won the internet yeah, that Cuella, night. Cuella Deville, yeah. Well, <laughs> somebody good. called her Cuella de Shrill, and I thought that kind of ruined it. Yeah, no, it's Cuella. I don't like calling women shrill. No, exactly. So we are talking about this earlier. She was trying to dress like the spy balloon? Is that what it was? Yeah, 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 that's what I read. She did not succeed. Just looked more like she had, like, killed a couple of Arctic foxes and stuck them on her shoulder, <laughs> uh, which I could believe. And the next course, Dalmatians. <laughs> that's right. What happened to this rebranding attempt of hers? Remember that? Like, she was supposed to try to be seeming more professional, more like a serious congressperson. Well, she got all her committee assignments, so uh, she's she's good. <laughs> I guess so. She's not going to lose them at this point. I mean, no matter what she does, I don't see that happening. Also, George Santos kept up his trend of telling the worst possible version of a lie by suggesting he made a new pal in the Senate, Kirsten Cinema. Hmm. It feels like the only person worse to suggest that this is your new friend in the Senate would be Ted Cruz. Probably. And there are, like, cool people in the Senate. Elizabeth Warren, John Fetterman, Mabey, John Ossoff. Absolutely. But no, Santos chooses to lie about striking up a friendly conversation with Kirsten Friggin Cinema. Now, did she deny that they had done this? Oh, she called it an outright lie. Oh, okay. So so he did lie about it. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Or she lied about Someone's it. Someone's definitely lying. <laughs> I'm putting my money on the one with the more ambitious track record. Yeah, I'm not saying Santos isn't the liar. I'm just saying, that, yeah, like Cinema, not the most honest of people either. Well, we're not supposed to be talking about him on this show anymore anyway, so oh, right. I won't even mention the dressing down he got from Mitt Romney. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. The embarrassing GOP behavior at the State of the Union address came despite guidance from Kevin McCarthy that they should behave themselves in the chamber. Oh, they did. They behaved themselves exactly as they wished. And the next day, Green even said that she wasn't sorry, and she implied that Kevin McCarthy would never punish her while making a pretty unmistakable ball-squeezing gesture. Wait, is that true? The first part is true. The ball-squeezing okay. gesture I made up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I already said the first part, so I, I, I said nothing's going to happen to her. She's not losing the committee assignments. Yeah, she basically said we got each other's backs. Uh. Now, the loudest... And most obnoxious heckling from the GOP came after Biden said this. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it. Contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. Republicans were furious that Biden would accuse them of that. Furious that Biden would say a true thing about them. Even some fact checkers said it wasn't true. Here's the thing, though. You just said it. It's true. Exactly. It's what they want to do. They may dodge around it with fancy language or, you know, claim when they're up for election that they don't want to do this, but that's not the truth. They've said it in moments where they've been caught unscripted or in front of their donors and didn't realize they were being recorded or didn't even care they were being recorded. They want to end those programs. Absolutely. It's just a true fact. Yeah, it's not a secret. No. They can't come right out and say, hey, we want those programs gone because they'd never win statewide election again. But massive cuts to entitlement programs, those included, that's kind of at the core of everything the GOP stands for. Yeah. Justin, are you familiar with the Republican Senate campaign arm leader, Rick Scott? Oh, yeah, I am. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Okay, well, he was born Tom Marvolo Riddle in December 1926 <laughs> at Wool's Orphanage in London. <laughs> He was the only son of Tom and Merope. <laughs> what? You're giving us Voldemort's bio. <laughs> That's who you asked about. <laughs> okay, so he does kind of bear a striking resemblance to the film version of Lord Voldemort from Harry Potter. I mean, you cut that nose off and you, you got Voldemort. I guess they also share quite a few of the same policy positions. <laughs> 
averse to universal healthcare. Absolutely. My favorite Voldemort moment in the books was when he was trying to kill Harry Potter and he got fined $1.7 billion for Medicare fraud. <laughs> was that the fifth book? That's, uh, that seems right. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look. It's been a while since I read them. But Given his stance in the transgender community, it's only fitting Rick Scott be cast as a Harry Potter character. Ooh. Says the guy playing the game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's that's on you, buddy. I actually think Rick Scott looks more like the evil reverend from Poltergeist 2. Oh. You're gonna die in there! All of you! You are gonna die! Yeah, that guy. And that's what he tells everyone has to go to a hospital. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, just last year, he who must not be reelected released a plan calling for the sunsetting of all government programs unless reapproved. Right. While he didn't single out Social Security or Medicare to be cut, he also didn't single them out to be exempted from this sunsetting, did he? Right. Just with Rick Scott, Biden's statement is literally technically correct because all programs would sunset. 100%. So, yeah. I, it- so Scott tried to backtrack a little. He gave an interview with CNN's Caitlin Collins in which she asked him about it. <laughs> Did not go well. You say he's twisting your words, but he said, quote, some Republicans want Social Security and Medicare to sunset. You wrote, I suggest the following. All federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. You are a Republican. Medicare and Social Security are federal legislation. And you said if it's worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. But but no one, I don't think, has confidence that if something comes up for a vote every five years, that Congress is going to be able to make sure it stays, especially something that vitally important to so many. Thank you. Well, he had quite the answer. You're going to die in there. <laughs> All of you. You are going to die. Sorry, I think that was a different interview. All right, here's his real answer. I've been clear. I'm not going to do it. In contrast, let's remember, just what, a few months ago, all Democrats voted and Joe Biden signed a bill to cut $280 billion out of Medicare. $280 billion cut out of Medicare. That's not true, Senator. We talked about this the other day. (laughs) Rick, now we talked about this lying already. No, Rick, no. (laughs) Gotta get the hose. (laughs) She points out his lie about the Medicare legislation, but she fails to point out his lie about not wanting to cut Medicare and Social Security. Yeah. He claims he's not going to do it at the beginning of his answer to her. It's hard to address all the lies at the same time in her defense. <laughs> it really is. They lie so much. It's it's uh, Steve Bannon's strategy. Flood the zone with shit. Well, make absolutely no mistake here. Given their druthers, most Republicans would 100% move to drastically cut, if not do away, with Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, you name it. Food stamps, any program that benefits people who are poor or uh, right. you know, struggling or... Anything like that. Well, there's one final actual issue of significance from the State of the Union, which I thought we really needed to discuss. Judson, can you read this so we can settle this question for everybody? Did someone wear a Kamala Harris mask to pose as her at 2023 State of the Union speech? You know when the right used to say fact-checking is stupid? It didn't used to be. It's becoming that. (laughs) They keep making stupid questions and claims and... Oh, they're responsible for it. Yeah. All right, read the claim for us. The claim is video accurately showed someone claiming to be U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris sitting behind U.S. President Joe Biden at his State of the Union speech. I think in the claim, Judson, to be fair, they would mispronounce her name. (laughs) I'm not going to do that, though. The person's mask appears to be slipping off through loose-appearing skin around her neck, proving that she is posing as Harris. Fact check by Snopes. 
False. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was so worried for a second there. Oh, my God. I bet my mother and sister believe this is, is true. You're so dumb. Whoa, hey. Not just family, but I mean, maybe, but not your family specifically. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm all State of the Union now. Let's take a break, and we'll be right back to visit the Dunning-Kruger-McCarthy house. Yay. Judson and Tino here. We wanted to take a minute to send our condolences to all those affected by the tragic earthquake in Turkey and Syria. The death toll grows staggeringly higher with each passing day. If you can afford it, please take a moment to donate to the relief fund of your choice. We all want to make sure our donations are actually going to those in need. Per Charity Navigator, which assesses the direct impact charities have on the communities they serve in relation to how much those charities cost to run, these are some of the organizations serving Turkey and Syria that are most highly rated, all with 100% ratings. Syrian American Medical Society Foundation, Center for Disaster Philanthropy, Plan International Incorporated, and Direct Relief. Of course, if you have a charity you prefer, by all means, donate to that charity. If you can, please donate today. Thank you. Our hope going into the third season of our show was to be able to devote at least one segment to the boneheaded, anti-American, hate-mongering, Dunning-Kruger-McCarthy house each week. Yep. Well, we're on our sixth show in as many weeks, Judson, which in and of itself is pretty surprising. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, and they have yet to let us down. I, I, th I, they're in this for the long haul, Tina. This is definitely a marathon for them as well as us. <laughs> they let down all of the country and their constituents, but they've mostly done good by us. I mean, their constituents voted for them, so I don't really have any sympathy uh, there. Can you safely say George Santos's constituents voted for him? <laughs> they voted for a version of him that they suppose that they had heard of. Maybe. All right. So why don't we start off with the DKM House odds and ends that we haven't covered so far, and then spend some time taking a look at this week's House Oversight and Accountability hearing on a non-existent issue, which is most of the Republican issues. Yeah. Censorship of conservative voices. They're so quiet. You hardly ever hear from conservatives. <laughs> First up in the mix-and-match grab bag of haplessness is going to surprise you, Judson. Uh, oh? Lauren Boebert believes climate change is real. Uh, okay. And look, I'm not here to deny climate change. It's real. It happens four times every year. I'll go on the record and say it. <laughs> oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> hey, Summer, that's one of the times climate changes, Judson. Yeah, yeah. That's... Wow. It's depressing. I hate... I hate to be like attacking her intelligence because that just seems like such low-hanging fruit and of course you know the misogynistic part of society often does this sort of thing but like she is dumb man she is just wow and oblivious to that fact oh and re relishing relishing her ignorance celebrating it we don't call this a Dunning-Kruger-McCarthy house for no reason, man. <laughs> She's a, a prime uh, component of that, that's for sure. Yes. All right, Justin, now reach into the bag of imbeciles and tell me what you pull out. Uh, oh, I, I'm going to need to wash my hand. It's it's Matt Gates. Oh. Actually, I, washing's not strong enough. Do you have any lighter fluid? <laughs> The House Judiciary Committee had their first meeting last week, Judson, and Matt Gates was proud to open the meeting with the Pledge of Allegiance. 
To pedophilia? (laughs) (laughs) Well, to the flag, to the American flag. He had an honored guest lead them in the pledge. That is Staff Sergeant Corey Ryan Beekman. Gates gave Beekman an introduction with the kind of warmth and love he usually reserves for teenagers. (laughs) God. He called Beekman an American hero, praising his 16 years of service. 16 years, probably not a coincidence. Oh, Uh, his Purple Heart, and his alleged murder of a 33-year-old man in 2019. What? Oh, wait. No, he left that last part out. (laughs) I mean, you could see why. (laughs) The surprising part of that story for me isn't that Gates had an accused murderer lead the pledge. It's that he didn't do it knowingly. I honestly expect all of Gates' dick moves to be 100% intentional. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and require Venmo as in advance. <laughs> and usually cross state lines. For his dick uh, moves, yeah. So I found this one a little disappointing. It wasn't pure dickery. It was just incompetence. His <laughs> office failed to do any kind of background check on Beekman before inviting him to lead the pledge before one of the most prestigious committees in Congress. Oops. Now, Beekman was not convicted because the case was dismissed without prejudice. That means it can be filed again. The reason it was dismissed was that key witnesses evaded subpoena. They couldn't be called, so there was no case. Ah. The family of the victim, Billy Buchanan, is still hopeful justice will someday be served. So um, it's not like he's innocent either. Gotcha. Gates, on the other hand, hopes his post-meeting date would not be old enough to be served. Oh. Maybe one, maybe one too many Gates pedophile jokes for one segment. All right, we have a lot more to get to, so let's put down the grab bag and pick up our main DKM story this week. It's the House hearing on the imaginary censorship of the right. Yay! <laughs> All right, so here's what this hearing was about. They accused Twitter of blocking a New York Post article on Hunter Biden. Right, which is true. Yes. True, a true thing that happened. It is. It did happen two years ago, and it was dealt with. Jim Jordan and his band of barely literate shitslingers, all of whom seem to have part ownership of Kevin McCarthy's balls, they got together to show the world that big tech was censoring their speech at the direction of the so-called deep state FBI and that pre-Elon Twitter was complicit. Okay. I still maintain that uh, Kevin McCarthy's balls are the worst timeshare I've ever heard of. <laughs> Uh, You know, I love that the right has gotten their base to believe federal law enforcement is controlled by the far left. Right. The semi-Nazi fascist (laughs) police in this country and and law enforcement are really left-wing sympathizers. That's why they constantly tear gas and beat left-wing protesters. It stands out as ridiculous in an ocean of absurd conspiracy theories that comprise the GOP these days. Well, they just they don't they don't require that their nonsense be you know logically connected so that they can say they back the blue and they support the police and at the same time call them left wing. Like they can do that because they don't right. have any sense of cognitive dissonance. They don't need things to make sense in their heads. For I don't I don't know how they do that. But that's what they do. Well, you're not going to be surprised to learn all of this just blew up in their faces. <laughs> and, we're, <laughs> and we're not surprised because we knew all along that it wasn't not, true. Neither surprised was no... nor, nor, nor saddened, in fact. <laughs> I'm not saddened at all. I'm a bit tickled. I've been on Twitter for about eight years now, something like that. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the only censoring of conservative speech is me. And that's with my block and mute buttons. Sure. I'm yeah. the one doing it. And I have to do it a lot. Yeah, I keep getting fed the... I mean, it's been worse since Elon took over, but... Yeah, I mean, the reality is that social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook, Meta, whatever the fuck it's called, they were instrumental in amplifying conservative speech, which ultimately led to injury, death, and an attempted fucking coup. 
I mean, they do it for the engagement numbers. They want to see people responding and retweeting and replying. Mm -hmm. And that happens mostly when you get mad about something. And so that rage engagement is their, that's their end goal for the social media company. So they continuously feed us this diet of things they know we're not going to like. Well, plot twist, Judson, it turns out the government was trying to suppress speech on Twitter, but it wasn't the FBI. Okay. Do you know who it was? It was the Trump White House. Yay! That's right! <laughs> Circle gets the square. Excellent. Per the testimony of Annika Collier-Navaroli, a former Twitter exec, the Trump White House reached out to Twitter to beg them to take down a tweet. Just for clarity's sake, and not at all because I grin ear to ear every time I hear it, let's play the offending tweet for everyone. Please excuse my language, this is a direct quote, but Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's like in the record now. Oh, I do too. <laughs> he tried to get it taken off of Twitter because it hurt his feelings. And now it's not only still on Twitter, but it's in the, the recordings for this hearing. <laughs> that quote is going into the National Archives, <laughs> the Library of Congress, you name it. So Snowflake Trump was butthurt, and that begging of Twitter to take to censor Chrissy Teigen, that was just the private stuff. Publicly, Trump was threatening Twitter all the time if they didn't censor voices. Listen to this. If I just told you that quote without telling you who said it, might it have some ominous overtones from your point of view if you're still at Twitter? We'll shut you down. We'll regulate you. We will never allow this to happen. Those are pretty strong words. They are. Yeah. Judson sounds like a threat to me, huh? It did sound threatening, yes. All right, Judson. So we're in agreement that this entire hearing is designed to score points with a right-wing misinformation media, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this is theater. But let's, so let's play a little game. I'm going to play you clips of some of these conspiracy crybabies on the right speaking during the hearing. Okay. What you need to do is listen to the clips assess them, and then award some number of Fox News points between 1 and 10 based on how effectively they've created a soundbite that will really play to their ignorant far-right audience. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm scoring on Fox's rubric here where... Right. Yeah, so higher score... Is better for Fox to play. Better on for Fox. Show. Okay. Got it. Okay. Here is contestant number one, James Comer, Republican from Tennessee. Eight. <laughs> It appears to me that you, you failed at your jobs. You were entrusted with the highest level of power at Twitter, but when you were faced with the New York Post story, instead of allowing people to judge the information for themselves, you rushed to find a reason why the American people shouldn't see it. You did this because you were terrified of Joe Biden not winning the election in, in 2020. That's what it appeared. I can assure you this committee will succeed in holding the Bidens accountable. So much of the evidence of wrongdoing from this family is located in that hard drive that you all led the American people to believe was Russian disinformation. Okay. Eh. Are you going to stick with your eight? No, I'm going to, I'm going to call it a six. I, I six. Just, I feel like he, it was a little too convoluted. I think like, it was a bit. He did try to tighten it. Yeah. Yeah. I heard through the editing, cut. but like it, yeah. he didn't lead. It, it, there was too much uh, unnecessary language there. Okay. I mean, six. Yeah, I'm going to give it a six. All right. Our next contestant hails from your home state of Carolina. Oh, no. It's Nancy Mace. Oh. So my first question this morning of Miss Gaddy, may I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry. 
I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Thank God for Matt Taibbi. Thank God for Elon Musk for allowing to show us in the world that Twitter was basically a subsidiary of the FBI, censoring real medical voices with real expertise that put real Americans' lives in danger because they didn't have that information. Okay. Well, that's a nine. That's a nine. I, that's I, I, pretty high. That's was, was probably related to the, the vaccine information. When, when she, yes, it was. And when she asks, so when she asks the witness about going to med school, obviously that was just clearly a, a tactic. And also a tactic was when she asked her to repeat it. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, makes my skin crawl. All right. So we've got Comer with the six, Mace with the nine. Our third contestant feels like he might be here to crash the party. <laughs> we return not to focus on advancing this robust agenda of progress, but instead to take up an authentically trivial pursuit, all based on the obsessive victimology of right-wing politics in America. That was Jamie Raskin of Maryland telling it like it is. So am I supposed to like judge how this plays on Fox? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they'll use it. I don't think it's going to engender the same level of outrage. Again, he used some big words. The props to him for getting Trivial Pursuit in there, like that. I'd say it's zero. Yeah, three, four, something in that range. Okay. Because they'll mm-hmm. use it to see say how the left is dismissing this perfectly valid and reasonable right. in- investigation that they're conducting. Okay. Our fourth contestant is a heavy hitter, especially when it comes to protecting serial sexual abusers of students. It's your boy, Jim Jordan. Oh, 12. <laughs> you know what I think happened, Mr. Roth? I think... I think you guys got played. I think you guys wanted to, wanted to take it deep down. We saw what, what the chairman put up where you said, you know, everyone in the White House is, an, is a fascist. I think you guys wanted it to t- be taken down. I think you meet with these guys every week. We know that's been established in the Twitter files. You had weekly meetings with Mr. Chan in the run-up to the election. They send you all kinds of emails. They send you documents on the super secret James Bond teleporter. You get information on that. I think you guys wanted to take it down. I think you guys got played by the FBI. Uh, seven, I guess it's, yeah, I mean, you're kind of greeting him against his track record a little bit. Yeah. Jim Jordan is, Jim Jordan should never get less than a 10. So I feel like he's kind of phoning it in. Which is so weird though, because Jim Jordan is known for not phoning things in, especially credible accusations of sexual assault. (laughs) All right, before we get to our final contestant, I just want to make a note that this person is addressing Yoel Roth, a gay Jewish former Twitter exec. All right. I'm concerned that you have to specify all those things. (laughs) It's amazing to me, Mr. Roth, as the head and trust of safety at Twitter, your ability, or should I say inability, to remove child porn. Now, here's something that disgusts me about you. In your doctoral dissertation entitled Gay Data, you argued that minors should have access to Grindr, an adult male gay hookup app. (laughs) She's basically calling the guy a pedophile. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely hitting the 10 on the uh, on the Fox News meter. That's a 12. (laughs) Sure. We can go off the chart. That's fine. (laughs) But she's... She's disgusting for doing it. At least she didn't say anything about the space laser. Well, you know, she's trying to rebrand. <laughs> right, right. All right. So I think reviewing the scores that the big winner is Marjorie Taylor Greene, Cuella herself. I mean, she wins everything on this show. She does. While the actual oversight and accountability sideshow hearings may have been a near complete waste of taxpayer dollars and House members time, one good thing did come of them. Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy ass bitch. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. 
American hero. (laughs) We'll be right back. Hey, FNFers, Judson here. Tino and I are always looking to interact more with our fantastic audience. If you have questions, ideas, complaints, or just need a friend, you can reach out to us at factsandfriends at gmail.com. That's facts, the letter N, friends at gmail. And if you want to make a more intimate connection, I'm on Twitter at the fault in my arse. Again, the fault, the letter N, my arse. And you can find Tino at Uncle Tortilla. We can't wait to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening to the show this week. The Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by the two of us with occasional but valuable contributions from a few very smart, very funny people. Please don't forget to help keep the show going by spreading the word about it to your friends and followers through social media and word of mouth. Also, do take a quick second to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those really do help. Justin, I kind of wanted to have our fancy sports precap AI write the close spiel this week. Oh, okay, sure. Let's give it a go, all right? Thank you all so much for really nailing that tight end (laughs) this week. The Facts and Friends podcast is written, directed, edited, and produced by a wide-open Ginny Thomas, (laughs) slathered in lard, with occasional but valuable contributions from a Judson (laughs) having his way with Uh Charlie Kirk's gum. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what my way is with them. <laughs> the opposite direction would be the way I'd suggest. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's a good choice. So we have a disqualification in one of our end-of-year congressional awards categories, Judson. Oh, no. Kat Kamek of Florida was nominated for the Lauren Boebert Award. Yeah. That's the first-term congressperson most likely to skyrocket into the top 10 worst congresspeople in their first year. Okay. Sadly, this is not her first term. Oh. Yeah, that was back in 2021, and let me tell you, the competition that year was stiff. <laughs> you got the big ones. You got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. We had to have had at least a two-way tie that year. Uh, for sure. All right. On to a close topic. You are a big Marvel superhero guy, right? Uh, I am. Yeah. Okay. I'll be honest. I'm a little superheroed out. Uh, that's fair. I'm actually not caught up right now either. So yeah, I don't think I've seen the last two, Yeah, but I've seen the 58 <laughs> minute, 56 second <laughs> mark in- <laughs> of Thor Love and Thunder for about two and a half however minutes. Long it- <laughs> <laughs> however long it takes. Well, this week we learned which universe we're in in the Marvel multiverse. You want to explain the Marvel multiverse to everyone in a way that won't require me to edit 14 minutes out of this segment? No, no I don't think I want to do that. Okay. I'm going to do the 14 minute oh, version. No. <laughs> no, it's fine. The multiverse is simply, it's just like uh, the many worlds hypothesis for actual quantum mechanics. Every action, every decision that you make You could have made a different decision, and so the worlds branch into alternate realities where you did make that decision. And so there are all these different versions of you and other people in those realities. So the coolest universe, I think, in the Marvel multiverse has Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Okay. Tom, I am looking forward to adding a timestamp for you in my new Excel spreadsheet (laughs) sometime in the near future. I mean, nobody really likes Tobey Maguire. Andrew Garfield wasn't really in the role all that long. And Tom Holland, and he just hit it out of the park, right? He is Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Yeah, I, I, li- I like them all for what they brought to the role. But, you know, I'm the Marvel guy, so right. I like all those things. Well, Judson, we didn't get any of those Spider-Men. No, the real living, breathing Spider-Man in our reality is this guy. Mason Deschamps is the pro-life Spider-Man. Great to see you, Mason. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Congratulations hey, on... Surviving yet another, uh, it's incredible. Tell us why you did this. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tucker. I climbed these buildings because I want to show people how to have faith over fear. Abortion is murder 
and that's the truth. Yet so many people my age are scared to speak the truth. They're scared to offend, they're scared to lose friends, but we can't be scared. Uh, abortion is just like climbing a skyscraper. It's a matter of life or death, and we don't have time for fear. That's why this time around, I'm raising money for a woman named Hope. She's 22 weeks pregnant, and she is partially disabled, and I want to show her that she doesn't need to have an abortion, and she doesn't need to live in fear. Okay, I put his photo in the show notes for you, Judson. Okay. The listeners can't see it, so I'll do a three-word. Just how I pictured him, yeah. I'll do a three-word word picture for them. Prepubescent Martin Shkreli. <laughs> I think I nailed it. Men in general have very little place in the conversation, if any, but very little place in the conversation about abortion. And I think this guy who clearly has never... I mean, You're saying he's a virgin. I'm saying he's the virginiest virgin that ever virgin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if men do have a place in the abortion discussion, I would say it's at the top of a 40-story building. <laughs> <laughs> About to fall to their About death, to yes. About to fall to their death, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, we don't have much to say here to contribute just to like support women in the decisions that they make. But this guy has even less a place than most people do. Well, even Spider-Man 3, Tobey Maguire is looking like a pretty good Spider-Man compared to this guy. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I don't know if you heard uh, Tuckum say his name. That was Mason Deschamps. Deschamps. Deschamps, yeah. Uh, he's 23 wow. and he climbs buildings to help women free themselves of bodily autonomy. <laughs> It's really something to be like do something that like risks death and then call yourself pro-life. Break this one down for me, Judson. Abortion is like climbing skyscrapers. I think he mixed his like analogy there because what he wanted to say was like the abortion debate oh. is like climbing skyscrapers. And you shouldn't have any fear of making the hard choice, doing the hard thing, as he considers it, to speak his truth. Dude, he's never got to worry about abortions. It's just not gonna happen. Definitely not. Unless his fleshlight gets pregnant. He's not going to have to worry. <laughs> it's not, not really low risk there, I think. You know, when I think about it, though, we probably should have seen this Spider-Man coming. This is the Spider-Man we deserve. <laughs> yeah, we do live in the darkest timeline. The darkest and dumbest timeline. Right, we live in the timeline where there was a President Trump, and there might be a second President Trump. Uh, again. Yeah, it doesn't get better. Sorry. All right, that's the show this week. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next week. Take care, everyone. <laughs> For people like you and me who follow politics every single day, uh, the State of the Union is pretty ho-hum. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're President Troll giving a Presidential Freedom Award to Rush fucking Limbaugh. <laughs> Congrats on two years sober. This week, he died on February 17th. Congrats, Rush. Mega dittos. I'm just going to be quiet. Okay. <laughs> if you want to come play back your uh, eulogy for Rush. <laughs> you could do that. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> I wrote something myself on the day that we, Rush Limbaugh died, uh, which I think captures a lot of what we're feeling, what we're talking about. I'll read a little bit of that in a second, but I also read an article by a, a, a guy named Rich Barlow, who's it was on the uh, Boston NPR station WBUR on their webpage, and I, so I found it there. The article was the obituary Rush Limbaugh should have had. And some quotes jumped out at me from this. Quote, The admonition to speak no ill of the dead is waived in the case of those whose legacy includes serious public harm. End quote. That reminded me of what I had said about Rush Limbaugh when he died. Rush Limbaugh fed a nation's hatred. He carefully and methodically encouraged its growth and spread. He had no children of his own, so instead he nurtured xenophobia and misogyny in their places. He became vastly wealthy from inspiring seething anger 
based on lies he told, and he reveled in it all. He paved the way for the advent of Infowars and Alex Jones, when his core audience could no longer get their usual rage high from Russia's predictable outrage routine. His personal problems in relationships or with pharmaceuticals are irrelevant in the face of the damage he did to generations of Americans and our political discourse. Now, Rich Barlow went on to say that if Russia kept to being just a shock jock entertainer, he'd be remembered that way. He said, quote, controversial but innocuous. But, you know, we all know that's not what happened. And, and Rich kind of breaks down some of Russia's legacy, which I, I kind of briefly mentioned, but I'll summarize a little bit of what he said. Like, at one point in his career, Rush hid behind the entertainer label to avoid culpability for his lies. He, he admitted to being just an entertainer. Uh, but later on, his success and his ego led him to embrace his role as that he's most known for, a veritable kingmaker among conservatives and proponent of conspiracy theories like birtherism and the Clinton body count. He accused a beloved actor of, taking his, of faking his Parkinson's symptoms, repeatedly degraded a young woman whose only offense was to be supportive of health plans covering birth control. And finally, at the end of his life, an end he knew was coming soon, the former entertainer, quote, entertainer, pushed the big lie. This is beautiful. <laughs> and here, I'll turn back to, uh, to Rich Barlow's words directly. Quote, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick died protecting members of Congress from the mob inflamed by election lies. His grieving family and friends likely won't remember Rush Limbaugh as entertaining. End quote. But I think the best summation of Rush Limbaugh was posted to our Facebook page, actually. Comment on the post that I did. I was raised to never speak ill of the dead, so I will only say this. When he was alive, he was a despicable piece of shit. 